Hello and welcome to the SD Revolution SD Realness Podcast Season 2, where we're here to talk to sales development practitioners about really important topics going on in today's sales space. My name is Grayson Fulbright, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex Ellison. How are you doing, Grayson? I'm doing well. I'm excited. Uh, this season, we're going to be focusing on a new theme. Uh, last season's theme was on leadership, and this time we wanted to get a, a little bit more tactical. And so the theme is see action, take action, where we're going to be diving into specific topics and talk about specific tactics from experts who do it every day. And today's topic is very popular. It is cold calling. But specifically, we're going to be talking about the choreography behind cold calling and really how to make an impact with it and understand the soft skills and nuances of how to do it tactically. Joining us for the conversation today is Gabrielle Blackwell. She's the sales development manager at Gong. Uh, Gabrielle, thanks so much for hopping on this today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so glad you could be here for this. Uh, to, to sort of kick things off here, I really want to dive into your interpretation of good and bad cold calling. Obviously, we've all heard good and bad cold calls. We've all had them as well. Um, but I really want to hear your thoughts, especially as it pertains to sort of leading the conversation, that choreography that, that we've talked about. How do you lead it in a good direction? What have you seen that sort of leads people in the wrong direction, even if they're trying to write things? So I guess uh, that sort of boils down to what are some of the good and bad practices you've seen as far as sort of leading the conversation of a cold call? Yeah, definitely. So I think there's a difference between leading a conversation or choreographing a call and backing somebody into a corner. And so what I mean by this is I uh, there's times where I've observed whether it's someone that I've worked with directly, someone I've been managing, or being on the receiving end of a cold call, where it's very clear that someone has an agenda of what they want to talk about, but yet they're not flexible in that conversation. So I might be giving them information about, right, hey, I'm very much interested in how to better coach up my people, but yet they want to focus on a feature or a function or a product that might be not like might not resonate with me quite as much as the thing that I really cared about, or even worse, right? When I get a cold call, or when, I, when I've seen somebody do a cold call and they completely dismiss the person that they're talking to. So I think the, a great practice when cold calling is, first and foremost, recognize the person on the other end of the phone call, like is they have a wealth of information, they have a wealth of experiences. And if we take the moment to get really curious, about what it is that they do, what it is that they know, what kind of insights and intelligence they can share with us, like that's likely going to lead to a positive outcome. But if I come in and I say, all right, I, I only see you as this one small fraction of who you are and what you can provide, then we're missing an opportunity there and likely burning a bridge along the way. So that's the way that I would think about like kind of, that's one example of a good practice of cold calling or choreographing a conversation and a bad practice of like backing someone to a corner or dismissing them altogether. Yeah. I and I really like the way you sort of phrase it with, um, you really have to listen to the prospect is really the end of the day, which is, it's funny that we can, we have conversations, right? We're having right now. I listen to you. I listen to Grayson. This is my feedback from our conversation. But a lot of times when, you know, when SDR gets on the phone, They've been practicing this call script or maybe certain, you know, objections they're trying to handle and they start looking for, for these answers that they're not going to get. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden the conversation is derailed where in reality, right, you really should be looking for or really listening for what you, mm -hmm. what's going to happen. And then you can steer it that direction. You shouldn't really be expecting a specific answer one way or another, right? Yeah. Right. 
A hundred percent. There's this um, something I've been thinking about for the past week, especially. So I, I just started off at Gong, um, and one of the conversations I've been having with um, the person that I report to is like, how can we how can we improve our conversion rates from like the SDR handoff to the AE and then down the funnel? So when I'm when I'm listening to the calls of the of the reps right now who are on the team. Um, and even having gone through the onboarding practice, it's like, all right, are we really, are we only focusing on the pitch, right? That's the question. It's like, are we only focusing on the pitch and the end result, which is a meeting, or are we really exploring, like, what is a conversation that we need to have? What are the insights and the intelligence that we need to glean in order to get someone to feel comfortable and saying, yes, I will take a meeting with you, right? Or yes, I will give you the referral that you're looking for. So, I mean, these are, so, you know, it's a difference between, all right, hey, having, just setting a meeting and having a meaningful conversation that leads to a qualified opportunity. Yeah, and I think uh, everything that's been said so far really ties well into what you said at the beginning, which is that most, most problems arise in cold calling when people aren't flexible. And I think you Mm. mentioned three angles there that are so relevant. You know, one is the fact that like people want to follow the scripts and often people are afraid to kind of go outside of what they've memorized and really use soft skills to navigate the conversation. Two, I think you made a great point about the focus of a cold call, because if you, if you're inflexible and you're narrow minded about what you're A, expecting from the cold call and B, like going to do to get it. It, it, It's a big conflict of interest that like you said, it can come off as backing people into the corner because you don't care about them. You don't care Mm -hmm. about their unique situation. Your only focus is on the outcome, the meeting, which can really, really skew people in terms of how how they conduct themselves in a cold call. Um, But a third thing that I I think kind of got brought out of this is, you know, those two are, are true. But I think people are often inflexible in the SDR role because of a fear of failure, where it's they're, they're using these scripts provided by management. They kind of have these outcomes or these focuses set by management. And yet on cold calls, on live conversations, they're having to navigate in real time and use soft skills. And it's like, ooh, should I just fall back on the script? And then it's the script's fault. Or ooh, should I just fall back on my focus and then it's our focus's fault. It's a different kind of uh, situation that I think kind of it's difficult for SDRs. And I think you made a good point there that flexibility really is the answer. Understanding that it's not, it's not just about making it repeatable. I think, you know, making it repeatable is good. Making it to where an SDR can be trained to do it effectively is good. But there are so many soft skills in the initial touches of a sales Mm -hmm. process that you you, you just can't replicate it from buyer to buyer and it'd be the same every time. I thought I agree a hundred percent, like a hundred percent. So yeah, I, I, it's funny again, I just, I just went through this onboarding experience and uh, we got introduced to, you know, the gong pitch and, um, and I'll be very honest. I'm the kind of person who, if you give me a, a script, I am, I'm like script adverse. So that's the, it's, I, um, and, and a big piece of this comes from when I, when I, when I started in tech sales, I started as a sales development rep and the most that we got in terms of a script was like three or four lines. It was, how do you launch a cold call? And then how do you handle objections? But there was no standard. There was not really a huge expectation from management to the sales development reps um, to say, here's what you have to say. Here's how you have to respond. Like we had a lot of, I would say, free will in that. And then we were also responsible truly for 
identifying like what is it that resonates most with our marketplace. So we were like the sales development reps. We're basically trying to figure out, do we have product market fit today? Um, and so in that, I was allowed to have much deeper and much better conversations. And so, uh, and the more curious that I got in these conversations, the more I learned. And so each call after that, I was able to have even more in-depth conversations, even more qualified conversations. And I was able to send over very meaningful um, not meaningful, but very qualified meetings and opportunities to my sales rep. And this also allowed me to be the kind of rep who could hit 200% of their quota on a month by month basis, because I'm not just going in setting meetings. I'm really coming in and saying, Hey, I can almost be a trusted advisor as a sales development rep and understand that in me reaching out to you and me having done my research about you and me knowing about the customers that we have today who are getting value from our product or our platform. I, I'm not doing this just to hit my quote. I'm doing this because I truly do believe that this could be incredibly valuable for you and in these specific ways. So it really is, I think, in this kind of model of, you know, where SDRs are responsible for having meaningful conversations, it is a different skill set, right? It is a different mindset. And, and even thinking about management and scripts, I'm like, you have to, like, for me as a manager, I really do have to cultivate an ecosystem or an environment where we're allowed to fail, right? And we're also have to cultivate an ecosystem where feedback is constructive um, and it's appreciated mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you touched on a lot of things that I really, really agreed with all of it, um, especially jumping back to what you're talking about with scripts, because I feel like I'm, I'm similar in a way that you can write a script, but there's, I think it's a Mike Tyson quote, every, everyone's got to play until they get punched in the mouth. Right. Like it's exactly that. Right. You have you have your plan. You know how you want the conversation to go. But when there's someone on the other side, you're not you're not going to know what they're going to say, especially because 99 percent of the time you've never talked to this person before. And even if you can, you know, do your LinkedIn research, you mm -hmm. know, research the company on Google, you really don't know much about them as a person. You know about their business needs. You might know that what you have to offer will help them, but you don't know what they talk like. You don't know. If they have an accent even right so like you don't you can't predict that sort of thing so um yeah i was always a big fan with my scripts scripts is really just mm -hmm. i had a list of a bunch of questions just all the different possible qualification questions and if one of them come up came up i just had it on like a sticky note next to my desk one of them came up i'd remember mm -hmm. to ask it otherwise you know if the conversation goes in another direction we take it in another direction because at that point it was a little more important to sort of build that rapport and sort of work the qualification in then to really try and get like answer after yeah. answer after answer out of them. Yeah, building the rapport and even thinking about, you know, imagine if someone calls you and just has a laundry list of questions. I'm like, is this an interrogation? Like, have I done something wrong here? <laughs> like, what, like, what is happening? Um, I, at one of the last companies that I worked at, there was a rep that I was managing and what I had shared with her was, I was like, people will take a meeting with you. They'll have a conversation with you like solely for the fact that you've made them feel important and how you make them feel important is by getting curious about them as a person. So like you had mentioned, like we need to get to know people as, as, as the people that they are and not just for the business needs and issues and whatever else that our platform can, uh, can support. Um, and so the way that we do this, right. is by asking them questions about them. Like, how are you involved? Like, what's your role in this? Who, like, what are you responsible for? How does this impact you? 
not, hey, do you have Salesforce? Like, do you have Zoom? How many people are on your team? Right, like how boring. Right, yeah, and it sounds, it sounds like, you know, in cold calling, there are kind of two levels where, you know, the, the basics, what people expect you to know and to execute on as a rep is being able to follow the script, to make the cold call, to at least be confident enough and skillful enough to come off as confident in that initial, you know, seven to 10 seconds. But mm-hmm. I think the choreography seems to be almost like a second level where it's, it's beyond just process and beyond just following what you're being told to do, but instead using your experience and your business acumen and your knowledge in the role to actually mm-hmm. kind of navigate that buyer's specific instance. Um, I think one thing that we haven't really talked about is, you know, beyond just whether a buyer is qualified or not, beyond whether a buyer is interested or not, they're people that get busy. So it's like another thing you got to think about is how do you navigate a conversation where someone's rushing you or if someone is just super distracted? Those are things that uh, an SDR just following a script is going to have challenges kind of addressing. So I, I wanted yeah. to, to transition, uh, Gabrielle, into that choreography piece. I, mm-hmm. I want to go beyond just following the script and really understand, you know, how do you and your reps prepare for cold calling and what, what's the process that you guys use to successfully, you know, dance with the prospects on a cold call with, with confidence? Yeah. So, okay. I'll be honest. I'm in week three of being at Gong, right? So I'm still learning how we do all these things. And even still like being new, I kind of this natural proclivity to challenge some of the, I think what would be conventional wisdom as to how we should do things. So I can reflect back on the ways that I've approached sales development. Um, when I was a sales development rep, kind of how I've coached people up in in past organizations as well. And so in thinking about like how to prepare for the cold call, um, I thought about how are we going to open up the call to begin with, right? Because if we're able to figure that piece out, like that's going to inform the research, the preparation that we need to have. So um, it could start off at the account level. It could be starting at the account level, like what's going on in the account that makes this a qualified account. Um, and then who are the people that I need to go and reach out to who could benefit from having a conversation with us about like what we can do. And so from that, what the way that I researched was like, what is their role? What kind of projects or initiatives are they supporting? Um, and the way that I'm going to get this information is likely most likely over LinkedIn, or maybe I, if I'm not able to find anything on LinkedIn or press release or company news, and there's names associated to that. I have to kind of make an educated guess. And so I just, I'm gonna go by titles and I'm, and more than, and so if I don't know, I'll let people know that. So, um, but hey, Alex, I was doing some research on your company. I noticed that you're involved in this, this piece here. Here's what our company does. Um, and, and I understand that you might not be the person responsible for this. I was curious though, um, how would you recommend I go about learning more? Right. And so really what I'm doing is I'm saying, hey, listen, I don't really know fully and completely what's going on here. And so I'm asking for help, like help me understand how would you recommend? And I think with this mindset, the mindset that we have to adopt is people want to help. Like people will like people want to help people out. Right. And so like that, that, that to me was a very successful approach because I might not have gotten the direct person that I needed to get, but I'm having a conversation with somebody who knows something that I don't know. So they're giving me information. They're giving me intelligence. 
they're really like equipping me with the information that I need to know. So when I do go and talk to that decision maker or that executive, um, even if that executive is busy, it's like, hey, listen, here are the three things that I know about your account. Here's one challenge area. Here's how we can address this. I know you're super busy, but do you have time next week for us to connect for 10 minutes? Right. So I think that that even embraces the, all right, somebody is busy. I'm like, listen, I know you're busy. <laughs> like, let's just call it out at the, at, the, mm -hmm. at the beginning of this. Or like, hey, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me call that out at the beginning of this. And here's why I'm calling you. Right. Please help me. So that's, yeah, that's been it, the approach that I've had for kicking things off. And then also for thinking about, right, in terms of preparation, if I can't find what I need, I'm not going to allow that to stop me from making a call and potentially getting that information from other people. Yeah. And, and, and it really touches on what, what you had talked about a little bit earlier is that making the, the prospect feel important. Either you're asking, you know, what they're doing. So you're, oh, I have this important role on the team. You probably want to speak to me is sort of right what you want going on in their head. Or if you know they're busy and you know they're the right person, tell them they're busy and they'll be like, yes, I'm a very busy person. I've got a lot to do. I've got a lot on my plate. Let's like, I don't have time for you right now, but if you're offering, well, do you have time next week? Because nobody knows what they're doing next week anyway on their calendar. It yep. opens up that, that possibility. You're like, okay, this person has a prospect. This person respected me. This person respects my time. So now maybe I'll give them some, the product sounded interesting. Well, you know, what have you. Yeah, I, I do think it's important to, I mean, this, this is probably more information than we can discuss in the time that we have today, but, you know, paying attention <laughs> to the tone, paying attention, like paying attention to, to even the nuances of the person's voice. So if someone sounds rushed, if there's like noise in the background to try and harp on them to say like, oh, hey, are you, you know, hey, I'm busy. Like, oh, do you have a quick 10 seconds? Oh, I'm busy, but just 10 seconds. At that point in time, you sound desperate, right? So, you know, like mm -hmm. being able to gauge uh, over the phone's a little bit more difficult, but like really being attuned and fully present in that conversation that you're having and that cold call that you're having, like we will lend you to having a, a, a better guess as to like, are they legitimately busy, right? Or are they just pushing you off and it's just like a knee jerk reaction kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah, and I think th this kind of goes to the importance of, of context and cold conversations on both sides. I think you made a good point and we talked about it of like, if they are busy, you need to conduct the cold call differently than if someone were to answer positively and say, hey, what's up? Um, and then on the other side, you know, I, one of the hidden nuggets that you kind of put in here when you talked about your choreography process is that you're trying to prepare with context to make the conversation easier, easier yes. to participate in and e easier to actually accept. Because at the very beginning we talked about, you know, usually SDRs are either desperate or back prospects into a corner. But if you can present enough context or at least show that you've done enough research to make the mm -hmm. context of the conversation more valuable, that's gonna increase the chance that you connect with them positively uh, by a lot, as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, hi, I, my name's Grayson, I'm calling from SD Rev. you know, let me tell you a pitch about my product and then go into the pitch. I think that, yeah. that sometimes it can pick up in market buyers, but for the most part, for, for the majority of qualified buyers that aren't immediately ready to buy, it could be a turnoff to just hear a pitch after a pitch after a pitch. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a really good call out there about the, the importance of context. Yeah, definitely. I, um, one thing that I, so we talk about like value deposits. Um, 
in digital communication, I think you'd also have value deposits in in spoken communication with someone over over a call. And so what this means is, so it's not to say that you don't give a pitch, you just don't take a minute and a half or two minutes to give your pitch, right? But instead you're bringing somebody, so this gets into the choreography piece, right? So if I'm having a conversation with you, Grayson, and I just wanna know, like maybe I have a podcasting tool of some sort, right? That makes it a lot easier to run these things. And, and so I'm like, like hey, hey, Grayson, I was doing some research. I saw that you and you and your buds uh, are, are doing a podcast right now. I have something that's making that, that process a lot easier. And so I just wanna under, so first and foremost, I know it's easier, but I wanna know why, like what easier means for you. Right and what like how valuable easier can be for you. So instead of talking about all the different ways in which I make things easier, I'm just gonna ask you the question. Like, walk me through like you know what's your role? I know you're part of a team, but what's your role specifically? Like, how are you involved? What's more most important to you today? Like, and, and why is why is that important? And so like and so when I ask this question of how are you involved today? And let's say that you give me three different options. And I know what those three options are because I've done my research, I've gone through onboarding, I have some mm -hmm. insights. I, I understand the context of the world in which you operate in and how you engage with that. And I know the value props of like those three different things, that, you know, those three different, I guess, value pillars. Then when you respond to me, I can go, okay, that's super interesting. Like I work with someone over here who does the exact same thing and here's how they're like, here's where they're seeing value. And I'm going to ask you a second, a second question after that. And that value piece, like that embrace value launching with another question is going to take all of 15 seconds, right? So every time you give me information, I give you something valuable, right? And then I ask you something else. And so that is the way in which we are exchanging I'm bringing you into the dialogue. I'm not overloading you with information. I'm learning about you along the way. And then by the end of this conversation, you're probably like, this is granted, uh, you'd have to ask people that I cold call, but most of the time at the end of the conversation, when we're laughing and having a good time and we've been on the phone for 15 minutes. And even though you will say, I'm not gonna take the ne next call with you. I'm like, listen, we've been talking for 15 minutes already. Right, like you could have learned everything you wanted to learn two times now if we had just booked the call initially. So, and and then that that at that point in time, right? It's like, oh hey, yeah, you're right. Let's go. So like that's that. I feel yeah. like that's the easiest way to get somebody to like agreeing to take a meeting and enjoying and enjoying the process they had with you along the way. Yeah, and I think one of the important things that that does is it really keeps the conversation relevant. I think something that a lot of probably newer SDRs don't really understand is that you don't need to and you shouldn't share the whole product share all the value props with the first person that picks up the phone right you want to figure out what's important to them like you said and then really just focus on those things and if that's right because the demo or the product about you know whatever the next step is that's when your prospect will bring on their team you know mm -hmm. the sales rep will go through all the value you don't need to do that you just need to convince the one person that this is good for them in this specific way, regardless of how it sort of affects the rest of the team. And I think that's something that's really important. You touched on, you said it's one of three roles, hypothetically, right? And you know what those are because you did your research and then you know, you sort of say, okay, not this role, not this role. They're this mm -hmm. one. Let's dive into this side of the conversation. Let's talk about this aspect of the product, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, we, we only have a, sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I think it's something really important to share is that like, cause you mentioned some SDRs today, they don't need to feel as though they need to overload somebody with product information. I would also say that, you know, a rep coming in in month two of their job at that specific employer is likely not going to be able to have that kind of like in-depth conversation. However, the goal would be to, it was almost like with each conversation you have, the goal progress can be measured, can be measured in the elongation, right, of the conversation. So like your call at two months versus your call at six months is going to look wildly different. But like that, like that's the goal, right? That's the aspiration that an SDR can have when thinking about how do I build up the ability to have longer conversations? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And sort of on that topic, I was just about to say, uh, unfortunately, we only have a few minutes left. I could talk with you about cold calling all day, but um, <laughs> yeah. before we before we wrap this all up, um, do you have any sort of final advice for SEOs and managers? Maybe something more actionable they can really just take away from this and and put their head down and start working on um, when it comes to sort of mastering that art of of cold calling and that choreography of it. Yeah. So I I truly do believe that there is the power of stories is very impactful and cold calls and how you develop the ability to truly tell those stories is through listening to customers of your employer, as well as prospects who are moving along the funnel. So if you're able to not just be like a sales development rep, but instead like embody the essence of like, I am a channel or like a medium here. So I, I'm, I, you know, you, if you have a lot of interface with, with your market, use their words, use their language, like speak how they speak. And that's likely what's going to be super key for you and being able to have those deeper conversations. Because if you are speaking two different languages, it's going to be really hard to stay engaged. But if you are, are, are communicating in a way that's harmonious and resonates with the way that your prospect thinks and speaks, like that's going to trigger something incredibly positive and productive for the conversation you're looking to have. So listen to the calls. Use gong. I don't know. That's that's probably that's, that's the plug. So yeah, <laughs> it's the plug. It's the plug. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, I think this all kind of wraps around to the fact that you you must align with your buyers. You know, an SDR in one industry or space plugged into another industry or space would have a tough time with no training applying their same cold calling process to try to get conversations. It's very nuanced, and I think you made multiple great points here about asking good questions to build context creating stories to harmonize with the buyer and really paint the picture that you're not just an SDR checking boxes or asking qualifying questions or bothering them, but you're actually like a, a clouty authority. Someone in the industry mm -hmm. who comes in on a call and all of a sudden you're asking really personalized direct questions that, that not only are a pattern disrupt, but immediately exchange value that says, wow, this person yeah. Worth talking to at least for more than seven seconds. So I, I think this is so beautiful. A lot of gold nuggets in this episode. Um, so Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us today to dive into the choreography of cold calling. Um, it's been really awesome. Uh, before we wrap up, where can people find more about you um, or about uh, Gong? So um, I, I always recommend find me on LinkedIn, Gabrielle Blackwell. Uh, and then for Gong, I mean, Gong has so much great content. You could either go to gong.io, follow on LinkedIn. There's always some good stuff going on. Um, but yeah, those would be the main places that I would recommend to check us out. Awesome.
Well, thank you so much, Gabrielle. Um, everyone, this has been Grayson, Alex, for the SD Realness Podcast. Uh, until next time, SDRs, keep it real.